If you'd like to spend some time with real people with a real heart for God, we welcome you to visit us at Harvest Church in Alexandria, Virginia. Our Sunday morning services are held at 1030, and our Family Night Fellowship takes place on Wednesday at 7 p.m. Come experience God's awesome, life-changing power as we worship in His presence, fellowship with one another, commit to discipleship, and share God's love through evangelism. For more information or directions, visit HarvestNova.com. That's HarvestNova.com. I want to share with you today from Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. We'll begin uh, reading with verse number 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation, in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. Thank God for the reading of his holy word. We had a terrific move of God in our service last Sunday, and and church, I, I just believe God wants to do something. And I, I don't say that idly. And many of you have expressed a, a, a sense in your spirit that God is on the move, that God has something new and fresh uh, for our church. And um, in, in uh, accordance with that, uh, the title of my message today is Seize the Day. Seize the Day. You know, life is full of opportunities. And one of the the saddest things to contemplate is missed opportunities. And uh, God is, oh, let me say this, God is always on the move. Okay? God doesn't, uh, you know, go on vacation. He doesn't take naps. <laughs> he, he, he doesn't uh, lose interest in what's going on in the church and the world. God is always on the move. But there are those times when we can sense in our spirits a fresh wind, a fresh fire, a fresh anointing. And and I believe this is one of those times. And as we consider what it means to seize the opportunity, to seize the day, I want to look at this passage. And uh, as we come to this part of Philippians, Paul had spent some time encouraging the Philippian church to be humble and submissive to the Father and to the Lord Jesus. In the earlier part of this chapter, he cites the example of the Lord Jesus himself while he walked on the earth, his humility in coming to the earth and then uh, living a humble life and offering himself. And then he gives a call in these short five verses that we read for us to... Uh, He doesn't use the word seize the day, but that's in essence what he he calls us to do. And so this morning, for the next few minutes, I want to answer the question, what are the elements of the call to seize the day? And you can tell from the tenor of 
this uh, introduction that it involves doing something. You know? And it's too easy sometimes to put our Christianity on automatic pilot, isn't it? You know? We go through the routines, we, uh, you know, unless interrupted by something out of the blue, we go through the routines, we go on automatic pilot. I said last week during our time of waiting on God that the time for casual uh, involvement uh, with the things of God is over. So the very term seize the day means we have to do something. We have to respond to what God has done and is doing. So what are the elements of the call to seize the day? The first element is a challenge. It's a challenge. And uh, the challenge is this. Paul says in verse 12... My dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, he writes to the Philippian church, continue to work out your salvation. Work out your salvation. What does that mean? If we've um, uh, received any teaching from the New Testament on the doctrine of salvation, we understand, and from Paul's own writings and other portions of the New Testament, that we cannot work to receive our salvation. Matter of fact, he said in Ephesians chapter 2, by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we understand our works cannot... uh, cause us to to be saved, to receive salvation. So he must mean something other than that when he says work out your salvation. What does he mean? Well, literally, he means to bring your salvation to its fullest completion, to work it out. This word uh, translated work out here, this phrase translated work out, uh, was used of mining. It, it, It was used to get every ounce of ore out of a mine. It was also used of farming. It meant to work the land to achieve the greatest possible harvest. To make the most of something. To get all you can out of it. And that's what Paul means when he says work out your salvation. Live it uh, to the fullest. Uh, Work it out to its completion. What does that mean? Well, it means, first of all, to make your Christian life all that it can be for God. We think of the parable Jesus told in Matthew 25 about the talents. Remember that? Where the, the, the uh, wealthy man gave ten talents, uh, ten coins to one of his servants, and five to another, and one to the third. And when he came back for an accounting, the first one had earned ten more, the second one had earned five more, but the third one took his one uh, talent and hid it because he was afraid of losing it. And uh, that that word talent has come to mean an ability or or a gift of some sort. And and the fact of the matter is, uh, we uh, don't uh, further our talents and we don't multiply them by hiding them, by putting them on a shelf, but by using them. So Paul says, work out your salvation. Work it out to the complete. Get the most out of it. Not not work to be saved. We're saved by grace through faith. But live your Christian life to the fullest. Don't be a part-time believer. 
Don't be a halfway believer. You see, the, 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 the corollary of we're not saved by works is not that we don't work. Do we understand that? Not that we don't put out any effort. And some have twisted the gospel of grace to say, well, you're not saved by your works, you're saved by faith. So once you're saved by faith, just put your Christian life on automatic pilot, go to church once or twice a week and do all the good things, put something in the offering and you're good to go. That's not, uh, that's not how God intended it to be. Live your Christian life to the fullest. Make your life all that can be for God. Use your talents. Use your gifts for Him. Find a place of ministry. Find a place to serve. Find a, a, a way to share the gospel with those around you. Find a way to impact lives around you to make a difference for Almighty God. Second thing it means is to be yourself. God never called you to be someone else. God never called you to try to do what someone else does. For the simple reason, you're not wired the way somebody else is. How many know we're unique? How many know we're, we are a, a unique creation of God with a unique set of, of, of spiritual gifts, a neat, unique set of abilities, with unique uh, life situation, with a unique calling? Just be yourself. But work out your salvation. Get the most out of it. Live, live, live 110% uh, for Jesus Christ. Don't sit on the sidelines. Don't, don't leave the work of the ministry for other believers. You know, hopefully, it's, it's 2022, hopefully we're past the notion that so-called ministers are the ones who do the ministry. You know what I mean? Pastors and missionaries and, the, well, uh, they do the ministry. No. Hopefully we understand by now. Hopefully we've reached at least that level of maturity. We understand we all do ministry. We are all called to make a difference. We are all called to live out our salvation to the fullest. Then he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. With fear and trembling. What does he mean by that? Are we to be afraid of God? He's not saying that. But we are to take it seriously. That's why I just referred to what I said last week. God doesn't intend for us to have a casual involvement with spiritual things. Church, this is serious business. Our spiritual lives are serious business. We have a calling. We've been changed. Uh... We, 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 sing, we used to sing that song by Hillsong. Uh, I will never be the same again. I've closed the door. I'm going in a different direction. Church, the, with fear and trembling, this is serious business. We, we sing, we just sang this morning, we sing about all that God has done for us. What are we going to do with that? What will our response be to what God has done for us? time comes we're going to have to give an account of our lives. We're going to have to give an account with what we did with what God placed in our lives. Did we make full use of it like, like those servants who were given the talents? Or did we just bury it? Did we just set it aside? I'm not here to guilt uh, anyone into anything. I'm just here to share the word of God this morning. 
And I respectfully ask, what are you doing with what you've been given? Work out your salvation. Mine every bit of ore out of that mine. Get all you can out of what God has given you. So I respectfully ask this morning, how about it? How enthusiastically, how passionately are you serving Jesus Christ? Is it a casual involvement? Is it when it's convenient? Or is it, Lord, I'm all yours. Every moment of every day. Work out your salvation. So there's a challenge. God is calling us to accept the challenge today. Amen? What's the second element of the call to seize the day? It's a companion. It's a companion. He says here uh, in verse 13, he says, for it is God who works in you. Now, we talked about the word work and work out your salvation in verse 12. The word God who works in you has a completely different connotation here in verse 13. The word work uh, in verse 13 means to energize. It is God who gives us the energy. Aren't you thankful God doesn't give us a task to do or God doesn't call us to live out our Christianity to the fullest and then say, go ahead, you're on your own? Aren't you thankful for that? I'm thankful for that this morning. And God, it says it is God who works in you. It is God who energizes you. And that's why we come to services like this and worship the Lord and enter into his presence and, and hear the word of God. It's, it should spiritually energize us. It shouldn't just be another church service. And this is not the only uh, venue in which we should get energized. That's why we read our Bible and pray in the morning. Amen. I know we all do that, don't we? Don't we? That's why we seek God. That's why we enter into his presence. And when we do that, we are energized. We are ready to go. Listen, if you and I, you know this, we know this. When we rely on our own strength, when we rely on our own ability, we get weary. We, we, we are tempted to give up, aren't we? We are tempted, you know, we've shared the gospel, we shared the gospel with someone and they're a hard nut to crack. You know, you ever know people like that? And you say, man, they're a, they're a lost cause. And, 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 and you feel like you should share your faith again or share a word with them and you just say, I just can't, I'm, I'm just weary. But when the Holy Spirit energizes you, when God works in you, when you spend time in his presence, he will energize you to share another word. To share a word again, because that just might be the word that will cause them to receive Jesus Christ. It is God who works in you. It is God who gives you the energy. How many have found that to be true? Time in God's presence. And, and we forget that. It says in Isaiah, those who wait upon the Lord, those who wait upon the Lord shall what? Shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. That's the word of the Lord to you and me today, church. 
That's the word of the Lord. When we wait on the Lord, when we enter into his presence, when we say, Lord, I don't have the strength, I don't have the ability, I, I, I don't even have the gumption, Lord, to keep going on, Lord, to make a difference. I can't do it. The Lord says, I can, and I will energize you. I will empower you. I will guide you. I will enable you to uh, do what I've called you to do. It is God who works in you. And what is he working you to do? To will and to act according to his good pleasure. His work is twofold, to will. God reveals his will to us and coaxes us into adopting his will as our own. That's where the real battle lies, doesn't it? His will versus our will. You see, if, if I'm contemplating doing something that's not pleasing to God and then I spend time in his presence, guess what? I'm going to have a hard time going my own way. You know what I'm talking about? <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to have a hard time following my will because uh, his will becomes paramount in my life. So he says, to will and to act. Not only are we energized to know his will, but we're empowered to do his will. God doesn't just leave us to our own devices. God wants to energize you and empower you. And, and, and some of you may be here, or some of you may be watching online, and you may be saying, Pastor Tim, I hear everything you're saying, but I'm just so weary. I'm just physically, I'm emotionally spent. I'm, I'm worn out. I can barely get through the week and make it to the weekend. I understand that. We all have feelings like that. But can I tell you one thing not to do? Don't shortchange your time in God's presence. See, that's the exact opposite of what we need to do. I want to read my Bible and pray. I want to get in God's presence. I, want to, I, I know I should come to church, but... Uh, I, I'm just, oh, I just, I'm just so weary. I cannot tell you in over 30 years how many people have come up to me and said, Pastor Tim, you know, I really, I almost didn't make it to church today. I was up late last night or I was tired. I'm just drained. I've had a lot going on, emotionally drained. And it was time to get up this morning. I just said, I can't make, I can't go to church. I'm just too worn out. But you know, something inside me just said, you know, I, I, I need to get up. I need to go to church. And I came to church and the Lord ministered to me. The Lord energized me. And I'm so glad I came. I'm so glad I didn't miss out on what God had for me today. I can't tell you how many people told me that. And it's not just about going to church, but it's about moving forward. It's about working out our salvation and doing all we can for Almighty God. And if you say, Lord, help me. Lord, I'm weak. Paul said in another place, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Come again, Paul. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. You see, here's how it works. As long as I feel this, the energy is in me and the strength is in me and I have to kind of work it up and I have to gin it up. I am closing off the source of God's energy because I'm saying it depends on me. But when I recognize that I don't have all the, the energy, the physical, emotional, spiritual energy that I need and I acknowledge before Almighty God, God, I'm weak. God, my resources are at the end. I'm depleted. What happens? We open up 
the conduit for God's energy, for God's power, for God's direction, for God to move in our lives. And so just Paul had it exactly right. When I'm weak, when I acknowledge my human weakness, my inability, my, the, the depletion of my earthly resources, then uh, the power of God can flow in my life. And I'm receiving his energy and his power and he'll enable me to go on and do great things for him. We have a companion. We're not called to do it alone. Amen, church? But we need to seize the day. What's the third element of the the, uh, call to seize the day? It's a command. Verse 14. Do everything without complaining. Uh Uh-oh. Say ouch or amen or something. This can be a tough one, can it? I admit, you know, we... You ever throw a pity party and nobody comes? Right? Woe is me. Why does this happen to me? Sure, everything goes great for us, but we complain. Paul says do, do everything without complaining. Don't be a complainer. And you know, we can, and, and uh, you know, and prob- probably all of us have failed in this area, you know, uh, one time or another, or several times or another. And w- we can get into a habit of just... Uh, you know, seeing everything from the negative, you know? I've said this before, and you get up, and, and, and the first few things, you, you can't find the clothes you want, or, you know, what you want isn't clean, or, uh, you know, the coffee maker doesn't work, God forbid, uh, you know, uh, catastrophic crisis, and uh, things, and you just say to yourself, have you ever said it? You don't have to stick your hand up, but you say, this is going to be someday, all right? And we start complaining, and, and and we start complaining about the rest of the day that hadn't even happened yet because we just know it's going to be a lousy day. Guess what? If we start a day like that, it probably will be a lousy day. Paul says, "Do everything without complaining." And my point is, we can get into that pattern and not even realize it can become second nature to us. Some people will complain about anything. A man named Paul gave a, uh, a two-star review to his, his, uh, for his stay at a four-star hotel in, in the UK. He wasn't happy. As it turns out, his room didn't have the, the view he thought it should have. It, it was a, a lakeside hotel, and he you know, paid to have a, a, a room with a, a view of the lake. But he checked in at 8, eight o'clock at night. And it was dark and he couldn't see the lake. And so he gave a low review because he couldn't see the lake in the dark. But he did offer some helpful suggestions. He uh, suggested two things. He said, uh, first of all, they could put uh, lights on the lake to illuminate it at, light, at night. Or his second suggestion, which was very helpful, he, he said they could move the hotel closer to the lake. That's helpful, isn't it? Um, another, another, hotel, another hotel guest in, in Los Angeles was waiting in, in line, and, and the, the, as he's checking out, the clerk asked how his stay was. He said, well, it wasn't too great. The surf was too loud, you know? So that made a lousy stay at his hotel. Can, can I tell you something? We laugh at that, but 
people who make those kind of complaints, it's second nature. And, and, and so Paul says, do everything without complaining. Secondly, he says, uh, without complaining or arguing, don't argue. Now, Pastor Tim, you're, real, you're really messing with me today. Because I don't, you know, in any a crowd this size, or any, any, uh, there are always a few people who just love a good argument. You know, and if, if you have one of those days that I mentioned where it doesn't seem like it's starting out that great, sometimes you can just, like, you know, you hit the road and you're like, don't mess with me, world, right? And you're ready for a good argument. Paul says, don't argue. Now, you know, the Bible's very clear that we need to stand on principle, that, that there are some things worth arguing for, there are some things worth fighting for, amen? The values and the principles of the Word of God. We know the culture we live in. Uh, I, 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 perhaps you heard about this, uh, this state legislature in Virginia that uh, wants to uh, make it a criminal offense if parents don't affirm their LGBTQ uh, identity of their children. I mean, that's, that's something worth fighting against and arguing about. Amen? But the point the apostle's making is don't argue about things that don't matter. Don't argue just to get your way. Don't, don't, don't feel like you have to have things go your way all the time. I remember being at a minister's seminar and a very successful pastor was, was speaking to a bunch of ministers and he, what he said, he said, don't lose your ministry over the color of the carpet. Don't pick, in other words, pastors, don't, don't make that, you know, the, the, the hill that you are willing to die on. You know, no, the carpet's got to be this color. Make it something uh, that, that matters. And sometimes it's so easy, isn't it? We get into a disagreement, and we're going to disagree. We're, we're, we're humans, you know, Christian or not. We're going to disagree. We're going to have different perspectives. But we need, to, we need to learn when it really matters. Am I, am, I, am I pressing, am I trying to win this argument because I'm standing on an important principle that I can't let go of or is it just because I want to have my way? Don't argue. Don't complain. Uh, that's a command from the Word of God. Do everything without complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless, which leads me to the fourth aspect of the call to seize the day, and it's the consequences. The consequences. Verse 15. Do this so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. When we dovetail with God's ideal for our Christian life, there will be some positive consequences in our lives. The first one is this, we will stand out. I know some of you are saying, Pastor Tim, I don't want to stand out, I just want to blend into the woodwork. Well, we're not called to blend into the woodwork. Paul says, when we live our lives this way, when we live lives pleasing to God, he says that you may become blameless and pure. Blameless, the, the, the idea behind the word blameless is that people can't point to you, can't point out your hypocrisy. And, you know, over the last, you know, 30, 40 years, we have seen many examples of, uh, you know, hypocrisy in, in, in Christians in the, public, uh, in the public realm. 
and it's given a black eye to Christianity. You know what I'm talking about. But that can be true in our personal lives, even if we're not well known. So Paul said, live, live pure lives so you're, you're blameless. And pure, pure means living with integrity. Uh, literally, it means unmixed, not diluted by the world. Uh, you know, when we compromise just a little bit our Christian values it becomes easier to compromise a little more. You know what I'm talking about? At, when, when we, uh, you, you know, we, we, may, we may believe, we should believe as Christians that we, we want to live with integrity, we want to live with honesty. But we get, what happens? We get into a little tight spot. So what do we do? We, we don't, we, we may not have done it before, but we, we shade the truth just a little bit. We, we think of it as a little white lie, so-called. And we just, so uh, what, what, what do we do? So what happens the next time we get into a little tight spot? It's going to be just that much easier to shade the truth again. Right? Well, I didn't really lie. And then we get into another tight spot, and, and, and it's, it's a little, little bigger, you know, uh, bigger issue and we shade the, what, what happens? We, our, our pure Christianity becomes diluted by the values of the world. You, you know what it means to dilute, you, you, you ever have a, a, a drink, you know, soda or a tea and it sits a while and the ice cubes melt and you drink and it's like terrible. It's diluted, it's not pure. That's what can happen. Paul said, live pure lives, not diluted by the world's values. I believe every one of us have to regularly examine our lives. The Bible talks about examining our lives. Brother Dave talked about it in relation to communion. Examine our lives. See, where is my pure Christianity being diluted just a little bit by the world's values? Where am I compromising just a little? Where am I compromising just a little? Live blameless lives, pure lives, without fault, in a crooked generation. Crooked means, means, means bent, perverse. I don't have to tell you we live in a crooked generation. If it was true 2,000 years ago in Paul's day, it's, it's just as true now. And so uh, Paul said, when we live these kind of lives, what happens? We stand out. Say, well, I don't want to stand out. If you live, listen, this, this, this is not counterintuitive. This, this is pretty intuitive. If you and I live biblical values and don't compromise, we live blameless and pure lives in this world, guess what? We're going to stand out. The world will see. They will take note. Amen? How many know what I'm talking about today? They will take note. That we're different. And church, that's a good thing. Not so we can pat ourselves on the back and say, I'm so righteous and I'm so good in this evil world. But it's because we're living out our faith and, and giving all glory to Jesus Christ. I've had times, you have too, when clerks have given me too much change. And I give it back to them. And I believe you would too. But I always make sure I tell them, I, and, and sometimes they all, they're surprised. I just say, well, I have to do that because I'm a Christian. As a Christian, I can't take what's not mine. 
well, that, what, that, that doesn't do anything. I don't know if it does. But rather than have them think I'm this great, honest guy, I'd rather them know it's because of Jesus in me. Amen? So we'll stand out. We'll be different. He says like, uh, like uh, stars shine in the universe. You go out on a dark night, uh, look at the dark sky. At, all nights are dark, aren't they? Uh, you go out at night and look at the dark sky and you see those stars. Man, they're just as brilliant and as bright. Why? Because they contrast the dark world around them. Paul says, we will stand out. And then, secondly, the second consequence is we will speak out. He says, as you hold out the word of life. What does that mean? It means this. When the world sees that we live out our faith, that we don't compromise, that our values are not diluted by the values of the world, they're going to hear what we have to say. Because when you and I share our faith, when you and I share the gospel, when we give a word for Jesus, but our lives don't look like Jesus, guess what? They're not going to want to hear what we have to say. And you go on some, some article, some controversial article that has anything to do with religion online, and you read the comments afterward, and you get an idea of what many people feel about Christianity and the church and religion in general. You know what I'm talking about? We're all a bunch of hypocrites. Largely, that's our reputation. When I say our, I mean the Christian church and the world. What do we do to counter that? We live blameless lives. We live pure lives. We don't allow our values to be diluted by the values of the world. And when we do that, we can hold forth the word of life. We can say, Jesus changed my life, and he can change yours too. And our lives will be the evidence of that. Those are the consequences of seizing the day. As I conclude this morning... Wherever you find yourself in your relationship with the Lord, the Word of God's going forth telling us it's time to seize the day. It's time to live out our faith. It's time to make a difference. It's time to get up off the sidelines. First, there's a challenge. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Live your Christian life to the fullest. Say, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be 50% or 75 or even 99% for you. I'm going to be 100% for you. Accept the challenge. Secondly, understand there's a companion. We don't do it on our own. God will energize us. God will empower us to live out our faith. When we spend time with him, we spend time in his presence. We acknowledge our weakness. We say, God, I need your energy, your strength, your guidance, your direction. He will give us the energy to do his will, to will and to act according to his good pleasure. Thirdly, uh, we have to uh, obey the command, that is to do it without complaining, without arguing. We're emptying ourselves of self, basically, and not complaining, not arguing. Fourthly, the consequences, we're going to stand out because of the way we live our lives, not, not for our own glory, not for to promote our self-righteousness, but so that when we hold out the word of life, when we say, I'm a Christian, I, I 
I offer Jesus Christ to you, our lives will back up what we say. It's time to seize the day.